Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. It had been almost 40 years, 40 years since God's people were freed from slavery, 40 years since they left Egypt, 40 years since they crossed the Red Sea, 40 years since they watched Pharaoh and his army drown, 40 years of eating manna that God provided every day, 40 years of wandering. It had almost been 40 years. The old generation, the one that had come out of Egypt, was passing away. Aaron, the high priest, had died. Miriam, Moses' sister, had died. And because they were unfaithful, because they did not trust him, God punished this generation with 40 years of wandering. They would not enter the promised land, but their children would. And this new generation was coming of age. Soon they would cross the Jordan River. Soon they would receive their inheritance. And how did this new generation compare to the old? Where well, a passage from Numbers reveals that they were not much different. They were impatient, tired of wandering, tired of the wilderness, tired of going in circles. They grumbled, complained. They were tired of eating manna. They spoke out against God, spoke out against Moses saying, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. Now, when they spoke these words, when they made this complaint, something unexpected happened, something unusual occurred, something bizarre, something frightening, something that sounds straight out of a fantasy or science fiction movie. The Lord sent fiery serpents among his people. Snakes. Lots of snakes are bad enough, but, but snakes on fire flaming snakes whose bite leads to death. And can you, can you imagine the fear, the terror, the growing panic, the, the screams, the shouts, the uproar, the confusion, the crying, the tears. Many Israelites died. Now, these fiery serpents were not just a random cruel punishment or an arbitrary form of judgment by the Lord. The serpent was a symbol, one that God's people knew well. In Egypt, the land in which they were enslaved, the land that they seemed to want to return to, the snake was a symbol of power and dominion. It was a symbol of authority and might. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, wore a, a, a crown with the image of a cobra on it. For hundreds of years, God's people had been slaves under that crown. Well, the serpent was also a symbol of the enemy, the adversary, Satan, the, the one who in the beginning entered the, garden of, uh, entered the garden and spoke to Eve, the one who in the beginning deceived Eve, tempted Eve. And rather than listen to God, rather than listen to the word of God, Adam and Eve listened to the serpent. They disobeyed God. They sinned. 
They were cast out of the garden, cast from the presence of God. And now they would die. Their sin led to death. And this has been the story of the human race ever since. It's your story. It's my story. This has been the curse of the human race ever since. Sin that leads to death. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Death is God's judgment for sin. Death is God's punishment for sin. Now, sin is like the bite of a fiery serpent. The end result is inevitable. The end result is inescapable. The outcome is certain. The poison runs through your veins, seeps into your heart, destroying you from the inside out. It is a sickness unto death, one in which there is no treatment, no medicine, no antivenom. And everyone who has ever lived has been bitten by this fiery serpent, whether they know it or not, whether they felt it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, they're poisoned. It's a sickness unto death. Well, God's people came to Moses. As the fiery serpents ravaged and raged, as people died and were dying, they came to Moses. And they came acknowledging their sins. They came repenting of their sins. Listen to, to, to their words again in verse 7 of our Numbers reading. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away these serpents from us. And Moses interceded. Moses prayed. And in answer, the Lord spoke to him. The Lord told him to make an image of a fiery serpent, to set it on a pole, and to raise it up before his people, to lift it up before them. Those who were bit by a snake, those who were poisoned, those who were sick, those who were dying, could look upon the serpent and live, look upon the serpent and be healed. Now, the serpent on the pole was not some sort of magical talisman. It was a sign, a sign that worked through faith, a sign that worked through repentance. God said that he would heal if the Israelites looked at the serpent. God said he would give life if the Israelites looked to the serpent, but to look meant that they believed. They believed his word. They believed that he would do what he said he would do. It meant that they trusted God, had faith in God, and that they were willing to turn from their sin and turn to him. Turn to him to escape judgment. Turn to him to escape punishment. Turn to him to be healed. Turn to him to live. In chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, Jesus meets with a Pharisee. He meets with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And in verse 15, he speaks these words to Nicodemus. This is John 3, 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus was pointing to his crucifixion. He was crucified. After he was betrayed, after he was a, a betrayed, he was arrested and questioned by the high priest. Jesus went before Pontius Pilate, the, the Roman official over Judea, over Jerusalem. And although Pilate found Jesus innocent, although Pilate declared Jesus not guilty, he sentenced him to death. 
death on a cross. Now, the cross was a form of capital punishment reserved for slaves or hardened criminals or enemies of the state. The cross was a cruel form of capital punishment, a torturous form of capital punishment, a very public form of capital punishment, one that sent a message from the Roman government, and that message was, don't mess with us. Now, Roman citizens were not subject to crucifixion. It was considered too barbaric. But even they feared it. The great Roman orator Cicero, who lived in the first century B.C., he he wrote the following, the word cross should be far removed, not only from the person of the Roman citizen, but from his thoughts, his eyes, his ears. In the first century, the cross was a symbol that was feared. It was despised by all because the cross meant pain. It meant suffering. It meant humiliation. And it meant death. Jesus was lifted up. Jesus was nailed to a cross. And there, lifted up, Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth. He was rejected by men. And he was abandoned by God. Those who walked by and saw him suspended above the earth derided him. The chief priests and the elders and the scribes mocked him. Those crucified with him on his right and his left reviled him. Suspended below heaven, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was rejected by men. Abandoned by God suspended between heaven and earth. But this was the state that he freely entered into. This was the state that he willingly took upon himself for you. He was innocent without sin. The Son of God never sinned, not once, either in thought or word or deed. He was never bitten by the fiery serpent. He did not deserve punishment. He did not deserve judgment. He did not deserve death, but but he chose it for you. He took upon the curse for you. He took upon the poison for you. He took upon the sickness for you. And lifted up on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, Jesus cried out and yielded up his spirit. The crucified Son of God died. His heart stopped beating, his lungs stopped filling. His brain stopped functioning. Jesus died in darkness. And he was buried. His body was placed in a tomb. Now, we live in a culture that pushes death away, a culture that pushes death out of sight, out of mind. We live in a culture that have, has institutionalized it to keep it away from us, to remove it from our daily lives. Death is consigned to, to hospitals and funeral homes. Because when it's out of sight, when it's out of mind, we don't have to be confronted with it very often. 
We don't have to be confronted by the reality of it very often because when we're confronted by death, we are reminded of our own mortality. We are reminded of our own end as well as the end of those we love. When we're confronted with death, we're reminded of the serpent. We're reminded of the bite. We're reminded of the poison. We're reminded of the sickness. We're reminded of the judgment. We're reminded of the punishment. And we are reminded that we are not in as much control of our lives as we like to think we are, which can cause fear. Yet, the central symbol of Christianity is the cross. And the central symbol of of Christianity points to suffering and points to humiliation and points to death. In Christianity, death is central. In Christianity, death is always before us, always confronting us. The death of the Son of God. We, we see it, we read it, we hear it, we sing it, we pray it, and through it, we're reminded of our own mortality. Through it, we're reminded of our own end. We're reminded of the serpent. We're reminded of the bite and the poison and the sickness and the curse and the punishment. But we're also reminded that it's overcome. The Son of Man was lifted up to overcome it. Jesus, the eternal son, was crucified, died, and buried to overcome sin, your sin. And he died to overcome the effects of sin, the poison in your heart, the sickness in your soul, the curse, the punishment, the serpent. His death breaks its power. The son of man was lifted up. Jesus was nailed to a cross suspended between heaven and earth. Look to him. Turn to him to escape judgment. Turn to him to escape punishment. Turn to him to be healed. Turn to him to live. Turn in repentance. Turn from your sin and turn in faith. Believe. Believe that through Jesus, crucified, died, and buried, God has overcome your sin. He's overcome the effects of sin. And he gives you life. God overcomes the serpent and its bite. Listen to the entirety of John 3:15 As Moses lifted up the serpent as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life Do you believe Now, as you know, death is still here. As you know, death is still a power. You you still feel the pain and loss of loved ones that have been taken by death. You still feel the pain and loss of loved ones who are no longer here with you. And the fear of death can fill you. And perhaps, too, you've had one of those experiences like a, like a car accident 
where you walk away and think, I, I could have died. I could have died. And, and it fills you, it fills you at least momentarily, it fills you with gratitude for the gift of life that you're still breathing. But it also heightens the fear of death. It reminds you up close and personal of your mortality. Because even, even though Jesus has, has conquered, death is still at our end. And it's an unknown journey. And it's one that can still cause fear. It can fill you with fear, but you don't have to be a slave to the fear. Because death no longer rules. Death no longer reigns. Death is no longer a punishment. Death is no longer a judgment. It's the way to eternal life. Through Jesus, crucified, died, and buried. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 